Father, as your word goes forth this morning, may it impart grace to us. May the Spirit quicken the word of God and give the people of God your strength that we will need for this week. Open our eyes, open our ears, open our hearts, open our minds to hear the voice of Jesus this morning. In his name we pray. Amen. God's people said? Amen. Mm -mm, mm -mm, mm -mm, mm -mm. You may be who would have thought transition could be so exciting? Oh, and I see some, I don't, I don't like to embarrass people because I don't like to be embarrassed, but I see some old friends of mine and you know who you are. Love you guys. So today we begin a new sermon series. A new sermon series. We finished that other one, the Me, Me, Me. Okay? And, and this one is called The Song of the Lord. I think it's going to be either four or six parts. We'll, we'll see as it comes. But each week during this series, we're going to... Oh, I don't need this right now. Each week during this series, we're going to take a hymn. One of the traditional hymns of the church, or perhaps a contemporary chorus. Uh, and we're going to see what lessons we can learn about life. What practical lessons we can learn about God and salvation and Jesus and grace. My hope is that the messages will be practical, that they'll, they'll impart truth to us, concepts we can apply and hopefully be inspired so that we come to know, almost said, our God better and perhaps, anyway, slide up, next one. I wrote this out with, with word for word and it says slide 24. I'm not supposed to read those words that say slide 24. Mabel, thank you for what you're doing. This is our key text. This is the springboard text. This is where we're going to jump off from every week for the next four to six weeks. Can we read it together? Colossians 3.16 Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Singing with gratitude in your hearts. Did you hear those words? Teaching and admonishing one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. That's what we're going to be doing for the next four to six weeks. Take out your notes. Hopefully you'll follow along with me. And as we introduce today, music is a powerful tool for teaching and learning. Question. Think about it. How did you learn the alphabet? A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P. That was always fun. At a young age, we learned important things through music. Those of us who grew up in Sunday school, we learned some of those Bible stories. The wise man built his house upon the rock. Others we learned Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. But we had Sunday school teachers who taught us our, the stories of our faith through music. Think about it. Even as a child, we learned our theology. We learned, Jesus loves me. This I know. We learned the value of the Word of God. The B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. We learn, if you think about it, so much through song. Wait a minute, okay, let's step out of the church. Patriotism. 
True story, when I came home from China after seven years in China, and I went to my first high school football game with my grandson, and the marching band went out on the field. You know, first of all, if you go to a football game with your granddad, you're, you've got to get rewards for doing that. When you can be with your friends who are cool. So I go to the football game with my grandson. We're walking in because we're a few minutes late, and the marching band starts to play this Star Spangled Banner. I lost it because that song inspires me, and that song taught me patriotism. God bless America. La tierra de how many of us are inspired when we hear that song? There is power in music. On your notes, you'll find two biblical examples. One Old Testament and one New Testament. Deuteronomy 32, 1-43 is called the Song of Moses. And let me show you something. You'll, you'll notice it. If you take out a few Bible, take out a few Bible. And open it to page 187. 187, that's where you're going to find this because 187, if you look at the way it's printed, if you look at the very way the text is printed, you'll notice that it's different. That it's, it's not all straight, it's indented. And whenever you see that in our Bibles, it's a song. You read all of the Psalms, the book of Psalms, they're printed that way because they are songs to be sung. So the, and Deuteronomy 32 was a song that the Holy Spirit inspired Moses to write to teach the, to teach the people of Israel God's faithfulness to them throughout the years and how he had delivered them and what, and how the, what their response had been. It was a hymn, a song used to teach. New Testament example on your notes. Philippians 2, 5 to 11. Once again, if you looked in your Bible on uh, page 197 in the Pew Bible, in the New Testament, you'll notice that the columns are... Then it comes to this, it's like... Because it was a song. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 11 is known as the song of Christ's humility. And exaltation that's what goes on this line the song of Christ's humility and exaltation it is Philippians chapter 2 verses 5 to 11 one of the earliest songs that we know of recorded in the in the Christian church Paul's goal was to teach the believers in Philippi about how to live patterning their life after the humility of Jesus Christ let this attitude be also in you, that you say Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, you know, and he taught them about it. It's a song. Even in today's church, 2,000 years later, we sing that song in a chorus. It says, He is Lord. He is Lord. He has risen from the dead. And he is Lord. Every Uh, weeks we're going to learn hymns and learn theology. 
I won't have a video every week, but today I do because it's such a great story. The hymn, It Is Well With My Soul, four minute video. Horatio Spafford was a well-known lawyer and businessman in Chicago in the 1860s, where he lived with his wife Anna and their five children. He had invested heavily in real estate along the shores of Lake Michigan. He was a prosperous man and a devout Christian. Now, I believe we are now happy. 
Here's that current events issue I was talking about either. In Luke chapter 5, it says this. Jesus was informed that Pilate had murdered some people from Galilee. This was a current event that had just happened. That were offering sacrifices at the temple. These were good Jews. They were performing their worship. And what did Pilate do? He murdered them and he mixed their blood with the sacrifices. And Jesus said to them, do you think these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other people? Is that why they suffered? Not at all. Life's not always fair. He goes on to say another current event. And what about the 18 people who died when the Tower of Siloam fell on them? It was like a natural happening. It wasn't, you know? Were they the worst sinners in Jerusalem? No. The first lesson we learned from that hymn Life is not always fair. Second on your notes. Christ has regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul. I know we're not doing hankies this week, but Christ has regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul. Though Satan should buffet. Though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul. Romans chapter 3 verse 25, God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life shedding his blood. That's good theology. That's the doctrine of salvation. Christ has regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul. Romans 5, 9. We have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ. People like you and me have been made right in the sight of Christ by the blood of Christ. Do you know this old chorus? I know. Oh, the blood of Jesus. You know what's saying? Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. It washes white. Two more verses. Ephesians 1 7. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. Christ has regarded my helpless estate and shed his own blood for my soul. And the last book of the Bible, Revelation chapter 1 verse 5, when we get that glimpse into heaven and the throne room of God, it says, all glory to him who loves us and free, has freed us from our sins by shedding his blood. For the last three years, I have taught Esau, English to speakers of other languages. I've taught reading, grammar, and all kinds of boring stuff. But let me give you your grammar lesson for the day. When you see the word loves with an S, that is called the present tense continuous. 
That is a present tense continuous verb, which means it's happening right now. God didn't just love you in the past. God loves present continuous tense. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you when you're bad. He loves you when you're good. He loves you. Don't ever be one of those grandparents that says, Oh, Jesus loves good boys and girls. Because the implication is Jesus doesn't love bad boys and girls. Jesus loves bad boys and girls. And aren't we glad? But wait, wait, wait. Let's continue our grammar lesson. Loves continual present. Present continuous. Has freed. That is called, wait, let me get it right. Past tense. There's another word for it, but I can't find it in my notes. Past tense. Done. Already. Over. Has freed us from our sins. Not, it's done. Settled. All right, I'll move right along. So excited. Through Christ, next one. Through Christ's sacrificial death on the cross, on your notes, we are now counted as righteous. We are now counted as righteous. Very similar to the last one, but it's so good it bears repeating. On your notes, take notes, right underneath those verses, right? The divine exchange. Because this is what I call the divine exchange. And I love 2 Corinthians 5.21. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. God made him, Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin for nosotros, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. He took Jesus' righteousness and put it on us. He took our sin and put it on Jesus. Christ's sacrificial death, we are now counted as righteous. Oh, this one, this one's even better. Col uh, Colossians 2, 13 to 15. You were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all our sins, all. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Back to the previous slide, just for a minute. This is so good. I love this passage. Let me give you a little bit of background. In, in Roman times, when you were convicted of a crime, you would be sentenced to and put in prison. On the outside of your cell would be parchment. And on that parchment would be written your crime and the time you had to serve or the financial penalty that had to be paid for you to be set free. The English translation of that document is called the handwriting of ordinances. You have King James Bible that actually translated exactly that way. If they, uh, back to the story. When you had served your time, or if somebody came in and paid the fine, the penalty price, they would come and take that parchment off of the, the entry to your cell, your prison cell, and they would write on it over the top of it. And do you know what they would write? Tetelestai. Tetelestai, which means, 
It has two definite meanings. Uh, let me see, let me read it. I want to get it exactly right. Tetelestai, paid in full. That your crime was paid in full. It's completed. It's finished. What did Jesus say on the cross? The last words before he yielded up his spirit to God. Tetelestai, it is finished. It's paid for. It's paid for. The point is, through Christ's sacrificial death on the cross, we are now counted as righteous. Telestai. Amen? Sometimes this week you're driving your car or you're walking. Telestai. When Satan reminds you of your past, you remind him of his future. Telestai. I am made righteous. Let's wrap this up. God, because I can, why can I sing it is well with my soul? On your notes, God is sovereign. And I'm just going to read these really quickly. Psalm 153. Our God is in heaven, and he does whatever he pleases. God is absolutely in charge. Yes, this life is not always fair, but nothing happens without going through God's filter. He is sovereign. God is good. God is good. The Lord is good to everyone, the psalmist wrote. Can you finish this? God is good all the time. Amen. It's not just some cheesy little thing we say as Christians. God is sovereign. God is good. God is love. God is faithful. Verses are there. God gives peace. Oh, if you're on your notes, we're really on the home stretch now. God gives peace at a time when life was definitely not going to be fair to the disciples. Their dreams for the establishment of a messianic kingdom and the restoration of the greatness of Israel were about to come to an end. Their world was going to be shook upside down. What did Jesus say to them? Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give you as the world gives. Don't let your heart be troubled or fearful. Friends, there is a peace that passes understanding. There is a supernatural peace that only God can give. And you, I can't teach it. I can't explain it. It's one of those things that when sorrows like sea billows roll, gives you his peace and he gets you through those times it's like a, God gives peace God gives hope because God is sovereign because God is good because God is love because God is faithful because God gives peace because God gives hope therefore on your notes I can trust him and say, it is well. It is well. It is well. The last verse is uh, the blessed hope of the church. You know, Lord, haste the day when the faith shall be sight. But we've talked about that in two weeks. You know, back, better. Heaven, uh, the Lord's return in heaven. 
So let me close with a PS. This it is well mindset is something we are taught. We learn. Whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. And you don't learn it in books. You learn it in life. You learn it at the feet of Jesus. Pastor Barber, you've got almost this perfect little life. You know, your children are grown. You have beautiful grandbabies. Your wife and children are raised in the home. You know, and now here you are at Second Union Church with us. What a great life. Mine isn't so great right now. He can, I, I, my challenge to you is to ask him for his peace and to continue to seek him and continue to cry out to him. He will give you the, those spiritual gifts that he has. He will give you grace to get through. If you've been there and you had that experience, can you say amen? Amen.